I was a highwayman Along the coach roads I did ride With sword and pistol by my side Many a young maid lost her baubles to my trade Many a soldier shed his lifeblood on my blade Good morning, good morning, good morning, sweet, beautiful Texas. That's the Highwaymen kicking things off for us on Cabela's Lone Star Outdoor Show, powered, as always, by Hoff Power Polaris. I'm your host, Cable Smith. So good to be here talking outdoors and all that implies with you fine folks this morning. I hope everybody was able to get out and uh, take advantage of that foul weather last week, uh, all that ice and and uh, wintry mix and freezing temperatures just had... Animals moving around. I mean, ducks just migrating south, deer on the move, tons of uh, daytime pictures on our trail cameras. Uh, so hope you were able to get out there. Uh, I was actually out in the Trans-Pecos hunting mule deer with some good friends and a, a guide named Muley Mike. Uh, unfortunately, we didn't get anything on the ground. Passed on a couple mature bucks that uh, just really didn't want to shoot and then had an absolute beautiful 180-class mule deer uh, in the scope, but he was just over 400 yards away, and uh, I wasn't going to pull the trigger. Sadly, I was really only set up to shoot out to 300 yards uh, as far as the ballistics and everything were concerned with my 308. So anyway, he lived to fight another day, and all that makes me want to do is get back out there again next year. But gosh, the Trans-Pecos really is a, a lovely area. Uh, back to this morning's broadcast, though. Got a great show lined up for you, and we're going to start things off by discussing the latest invasive species that is affecting Texas outdoor enthusiasts. Uh, when Texas Parks and Wildlife magazine writer Melissa Gaskill drops in, and we'll get into her recent feature titled The Roar of the Lionfish, uh, we'll talk about this unfortunate threat to our natural marine ecosystems and how anglers and divers can help combat this invasive problem that we're facing with a lionfish. So that's coming up with Melissa. Uh, then we change it up and talk some whitetails with Team Rip Outdoors and Big Buck fanatic Mike Sanderson. Uh, we'll hit on scouting, how important it is, and and really how to understand when you should start your scouting efforts. Uh, also, trail cameras are a big part of that, and uh, we'll get into scent control methods as well. So get ready for some in-depth whitetail talk uh, coming up here in a little bit. Uh, then we'll round out the show by spending a couple segments with 2013 Bassmaster Elite Series Angler of the Year, Aaron Martins. And we'll get an inside look at just how competitive the world of pro bass fishing has become as many anglers these days even have specialized diets and workout regimens that they use to help them stay focused and able to withstand the demands of tournament fishing. So interesting stuff there. And then, of course, We'll also talk big winter bass with Aaron as uh, he'll break down his favorite winter techniques and baits. So it's going to be a great show, one that I am definitely pumped up about. A couple other things to mention. Don't forget to send in your December photo of the month entry. Uh, just send in your best outdoor photo to Lone Star Outdoors Show at gmail.com. This month's contest is actually sponsored by Rocky Boots. Uh, so our December winner will get to pick out their own pair of Rocky hunting boots. And then also don't forget that our 12 monthly winners uh, at the end of 2013 will square off for a chance to join me on our 2013 grand prize hunting package, which will be down at Coons Canyon Ranch in Rock Springs, Texas. And this year's winner will enjoy a spring turkey slash exotic buck of their choice hunt with me and uh, our buddy Glenn Underwood 
at the uh, lovely Coons Canyon Ranch. So uh, send in those outdoor photos. Email them to Lone Star Outdoor Show at gmail.com. Uh, one other thing to mention, be sure to pay close attention to all the music that we played this morning. There's an underlying theme that you'll hear within all of the songs that we're playing this morning. And so the first person to correctly text in what that theme is uh, to 214-289-7807 will win one of our Hey Vegetarians, My Food Poops on Your Food t-shirts. Uh, so text in the theme of today's music to 214-289-7807 and we'll send you our most popular t-shirt. Well, let's knock out a quick break. When we come back, we'll get into the very serious threat that the lionfish is causing up and down the Texas coast. You're listening to Cabela's Long Star Outdoor Show. Trying to make some time. There's a storm in my rear view and a city on my nerve. He's a mind in the straightaway and there's comfort in the curve. Ed Hansen's Outdoor Adventures is East Texas' premier waterfowl guide service. Hunters enjoy great shoots on Lake Fork, Tawakini Cooper, and private areas including flooded timber and private tanks throughout Northeast Texas. You'll also see amazing retriever work and a guide in Ed whose passion is putting you on birds. With an increased daily bag limit of six birds per hunter, now is the time to book your September early teal hunt. Call Ed at 903-521-4595 or visit HansenOutdoors.net to book your hunt today. Howdy outdoorsmen, whether you're looking for the ideal place to customize your everyday truck or your ranch 4x4, Lone Star Conversions can do it all. Specializing in custom Jeeps, trucks, exterior liners, spray and bed liners, lift kits, bumpers and lights. It's our purpose to provide customers with the most unique, best valued conversions anywhere. Stop in and see us at our convenient location off of Highway 380 in Denton or call us at 940-484-5500. Of course, you can also check us out at LoneStarJeeps.com. Cable Smith here for Magnolite, a Texas-based lighting company that's been outfitting the United States military since the 1960s. Over the past decade, Magnolite has continued to support our troops, but now they have over 200 lights ideal for your hunting and fishing needs, like the 35-watt HID camouflage Go Light Striker with handheld remote. That's 15 million candle power in the palm of your hand, ideal for predator and hog hunting. They also have remote-controlled floodlights, feeder lights, and LED boat lights. So go Texan and go Magnolite. Check them out at www.magnolite.com for all your outdoor lighting needs. If you're in the market for a firearm, you need to know about STI International. Based out of Georgetown, Texas, they're 100% employee-owned and offer the best warranty and customer service in the business. STI is renowned worldwide for exceptional fit and function. The patented 2011 high-capacity system proved so successful in shooting competitions that over 80% of competitors used STI guns or pistols built on STI frames at the USPSA National Championships. To see their full line of premier pistols, visit STIguns.com or check them out on Facebook at STI Firearms. STI, the continuing evolution of the 1911. Attitude and driving, one of my favorites from Jack Ingram, bringing us back on Cabela's Lone Star Outdoor Show. Powered by Hoff Power Polaris, I'm your host, Cable Smith, and I appreciate you letting me ride shotgun with you on this lovely Texas morning. It looks like the ice and bad weather is in the rearview mirror. Uh, we're actually about to get into uh, a cause for real concern surrounding the latest invasive species 
that is affecting Texas outdoor enthusiasts. Uh, but first, this segment is proudly brought to you by Cabela's, the world's foremost outfitter for over 50 years. They've brought you legendary selection and service. Let expert outfitters show you all the newest hunting, fishing, and camping gear, as well as the best in authentic outdoor apparel and footwear at tough-to-beat prices. And you'll get free shipping when you shop online and ship your order to one of Cabela's three great Texas locations, Cabela's World's Foremost Outfitter. Well, our first guest today is uh, one of my favorite writers from Texas Parks and Wildlife magazine. Great publication, by the way. And so joining us now is Melissa Gaskill. Thank you so much for dropping in. You're welcome. Well, we certainly appreciate it. And before we discuss your latest article, The Roar of the Lionfish, do tell us a little bit about yourself and how long you've been an outdoor writer. Uh, well, I've been a freelance writer for about 20 years, and for most of those, I have uh, written as, written about the outdoors as much as possible. And how long have you been freelancing for TPWD Magazine? Yeah, I've been writing for them for probably about 10 years. Um, I grew up camping and hiking and kayaking and all that in Texas and, and raised my kids doing that and still love to do it and love to go to state parks. and. Um, I, I like to write about science and weave that in whenever possible, and uh, that magazine gives me the opportunity to do that, kind of combine both things. Well, I've certainly enjoyed reading countless articles of yours uh, throughout the years, and this latest piece was no exception, The Roar of the Lionfish. Uh, invasive species are something that outdoor enthusiasts deal with on a regular basis here in Texas, whether it's feral hogs, uh, zebra mussels, Eurasian collar doves. I mean, we come into contact with these animals Oftentimes, they create a major inconvenience for us because they don't belong here. And the lionfish is the latest and greatest threat to be added to that list of invasive species. And it really is a big problem, uh, not just along the Texas coast and in the Gulf of Mexico, but up and down the Atlantic coast as well. Yes, it is. Um, and hogs is a good analogy. These are kind of the hogs of the, the marine environment, if you will. Um, they've spread very rapidly. They are um, they're very prolific reproducers. They're voracious eaters. They eat anything and everything. Uh, one scientist said they'll eat anything that fits in their mouth. And some have been caught and dissected and just had incredible amounts of fish in their mouth, any kind of fish. And they, um, they really don't have anything to slow them down. They're, they don't have any natural predators here. They um, aren't, there's nothing, nothing to stop them except probably us. Wow. So, yeah, they, they do sound exactly like feral hogs of the sea. Uh, and, and like we said, not native to the Gulf of Mexico and, and really not even native to anywhere along the Atlantic coast. No, not at all. They're, they're native to the Indian Ocean and, and the far uh, Pacific Ocean. They're around the coast of Africa and up a little bit into the Atlantic on that side, but definitely not in the North Atlantic, not in the Caribbean, not in the Gulf of Mexico. Mm -hmm. And anyone who's seen a saltwater aquarium has likely seen a lionfish. I mean, they're, they're the white and purple fish with the big spines. They're beautiful creatures. But anyway, uh, likely somebody who had a lionfish in their aquarium, or actually a couple somebodies, uh, decided their fish got too big and, and they just released them into the ocean, unfortunately. Exactly. It was probably multiple somebodies, um, and probably uh, they got tired of the lionfish in their aquarium eating everything else in their aquarium and dumped them into the ocean. The first reported sightings were off of the Atlantic coast of Florida around 1985, and it really took a while for it to kind of get going, but uh, around the mid-1990s, uh, there's an animated map of the invasion, and around then it just took off and all, all up the Atlantic coast, all throughout the Caribbean, and then uh, arrived in Texas in 2010. 
Wow. So they just showed up along the Texas coast. Um, and, and like you said, these animals, uh, much like feral hogs, they're very adaptable, seem to be able to thrive in, in any environment. And in your article, you reference some studies that were done that, that show that these fish can be found basically right at the surface and then also at, an, at depths that scientists really didn't expect to find them. So it seems like they can survive just about anywhere. Just about. The only thing that's going to stop them is really cold water. They've been found, their native habitat, they like coral reefs, but they've been found in seagrass. They've been found um, out in open water. They've been found deep. They've been found shallow. You're right. They've even now, just recently, I heard a study in Florida there in the Indian River Lagoon and, and like 14 kilometers up the river. So it's, it's bad news. Wow. That is really bad news. And, you know, a lot of the reason why is because, like you said, these fish are so effective as ambush predators. And they're very slow-moving fish, and anyone who's seen them knows that they really just look decorative, to be honest. Uh, but <laughs> those those spines are venomous, and that's probably why they don't have a lot of natural enemies. That being said, uh, they're still safe to eat. Yes. Okay. Yes, they're safe to eat, and they're very good. They're very tasty. They have a really nice, white, flaky meat, no fishy taste. They, you can use it in, in just about any—they're very adaptable to different kinds of recipes. Um, but the trick is collecting them properly. If you get poked, you will not like it. It's— uh, it's a neurotoxin and it hurts a lot. But yeah, they're different. They're definitely not poisonous. There is that misconception. Um, in fact, if you catch them uh, properly and then you just snip the spines off, you're good to go. Well, there's an accompanying photo uh, here with your article, and it, this lionfish recipe, whatever it is, it, it looks like five star dining, and it just looks phenomenal. That's right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> A really nice fish to eat. I, uh -huh. I highly recommend going out and catching some and eating eat as many as you can. Well, and so how are anglers combating this problem? I mean, uh, do you catch them with a rod and reel? I honestly have uh, no idea how to go about catching a lionfish. Yeah. Well, the best way to catch them is spearfishing or nets. Um, frankly, catching them on hook and line is difficult. The, the Really, the only way people have been reporting success with that is in particularly deep water. Um, if you're fishing for snapper or grouper in 100 or 200 feet of water, you might catch some lionfish too, um, which is a good thing because they also eat snapper and grouper um, as long as they're smaller than they are. Um, but spearfishing, they're very easy, like you said. Because they're a predator, um, they just kind of hang out, and if you, uh, you can practically swim right up to them and spear them. And it's legal in all Texas waters. The only place it's not allowed is in protected places like the Flower Gardens, although they're working on possibly having a derby there. Um, and you can catch them by net. And on the reef website, there's a really good instructions for it. You wear puncture-proof gloves, you spear them, you put them in a clear, dry bag so you can keep an eye on them. Um, I've been on dives where the dive masters were spearing them the entire dive and just filled up a bag with, you know, 20 lionfish. Wow, that is awesome. No catch limit. Well, something else to mention, Melissa, um, is that if left unchecked and to their own devices, these fish can completely change an ecosystem from a coral reef environment to something completely different. Absolutely. Yeah, they'll eat all the reef fish. Um, I mean, there's, there's fish they've dissected, and they have 50, 60 little fish in their stomach. They, their stomachs expand, so they can just keep eating and eating and growing and growing. And once they eat all those little reef fish that keep the algae off the coral, the algae takes over, and you don't have a coral ecosystem anymore. You have an algae ecosystem, which probably going to be mostly okay for fishing. It's not going to be too great for diving, and ultimately it's going to really change the whole mix of, of fish down there. And like I said, they'll eat groupers and snappers too, so they're kind of competing with fishermen for the good stuff. Well, Melissa, what would you say is the best way that you've had lionfish prepared? 
Well, I like ceviche, and lionfish ceviche was very tasty. Um, I'm not a big sushi fan, but I've heard that they, I, I did have a sashimi that was a pretty good, and I had a delicious filet, just cooked like you would have cooked a snapper. Wow, so an exceptionally high-quality fish. I mean, sashimi and ceviche, <laughs> that's right up my alley. Yeah, absolutely. And that picture in the article that's from a restaurant in Houston that serves it at their coal bar in, in uh, it's called Coal Bar, I think. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm a Haven restaurant. Uh, they serve lionfish on a regular basis. Well, yeah, and that's really the point of this article is we need to harvest these fish as rapidly as we can, and we need to eat as many as we can, and why not? They're delicious. Uh, so in addition to, uh, you know, individual anglers, are there large-scale efforts like, uh, you know, like we have feral hog roundups? Is there anything like that for these fish? Yeah, they've done those in Florida, and they've done them a bunch of places in the Caribbean, Belize, and Bahamas. Um, and those one-day efforts can remove thousands of fish, and they've done studies, and it actually does um, keep the population down uh, for a bit. We're never going to get rid of them, just like feral hogs, um, but we can control the population this way. And by doing regular targeted removal, we can keep their numbers low enough that, that hopefully the the rest of the fish can can survive such that it won't make such a drastic change in the environment. Awesome. Well, Melissa, thank you so much for bringing this topic to the forefront. I enjoyed the article, and I certainly look forward to reading your next piece. Yeah, well, thank you. It's been a pleasure. Take care. Okay. All right, there she goes, freelance outdoor writer Melissa Gaskill, uh, often writing for our Texas Parks and Wildlife magazine. Let's knock out a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk some whitetails with Team Rip Outdoors. Mike Sanderson, you're listening to the Cabela's Lone Star Outdoor Show. I need a straighter road to run So I can see where I'm going and where I came from Lord, give me a Lone Star Highway Hey friends, Cable Smith here for DFW Safes. We all know that our guns are a big part of our lives, from grandfather's old 12-gauge to that trusty tack driver of a deer rifle. And DFW Safes is North Texas' premier safe dealer, specializing in rhino, bighorn, huntsman, heritage, and fortress safes, to name a few. They're family-owned and operated and have over 24 years' experience in the safe and installation business. They even have commercial safes for your business and scratch-and-dent safes for the most frugal of gun owners. Visit DFWSafes.com to set up your delivery today. That's DFWSafes.com or call 817-715-1068. At LSC Trailer Sales, we offer a full line of utility trailers from small single axle trailers to heavy equipment trailers, ATV trailers, car haulers, landscape trailers, cargo trailers, truck beds, and more. We can special order a custom trailer specific to your needs and have the ability to customize standard models in-house. LSC Trailer Sales is here to assist you with any questions you might have about trailers. Call 940-484-5500 or visit us at lsctrailersales.com. Finally, quality trailers at affordable prices in Dallas-Fort Worth. Did you know there's a bank that will pay you to be its customer? That's right. Lone Star Ag Credit is a cooperative and, since it's owned by its stockholders, pays millions in dividends each year. That's free money to every borrower. Lone Star Ag Credit serves people all over Northeast Texas, assuring you competitive interest rates on real estate loans, rural home loans, livestock, and farm and ranch loans. Contact Lone Star Ag Credit today at 800-530-1252 or on the web at LoneStarAgCredit.com. Equal housing lender. 
Hey y'all, Cable Smith here for Tioga Retrievers. As bird hunters, we expect the most out of our gun dogs. And that's why I sent my sweet girl Belle to Angie and Tim Becker at Tioga Retrievers. Not only were her manners and obedience spot on in the blind and in the field, but Belle picked up over 200 birds in her first season. So whether you want a well-rounded hunting dog or just a well-mannered companion for the home, Tioga Retrievers has you covered. Located in Aubrey, Texas, visit TiogaRetrievers.com. That's T-I-O-G-A Retrievers.com. Coons Canyon Ranch in Rock Springs, Texas specializes in exotics such as Axis Deer and Black Buck. Coons Canyon offers quality animals at a price the working man can afford. Right now, save 10% on any package of multiple animals. Military personnel, police, and firefighters also get 10% off. Lodging is available upon request, as are other exotic species. Visit CoonsCanyonRanch.com for your next exotic trophy hunt. That's CoonsCanyonRanch.com. Howdy Outdoors fans, Michael Curvey, Internet Manager at Graf Chevrolet. We're proud to be the official dealership of the Lone Star Radio Show. We have a large selection of new Chevys starting at just $12,999. Lowest overhead means lowest price in North Texas. We'll beat any price on a new Chevy guaranteed. Drive a little, save a lot, Chevys are cheaper in Grand Prairie. Call 800-560-3518 or shop online 24-7 at GrafChevrolet.com. Graf Chevrolet, serving Texas Outdoors fans since 1952. Chevy runs deep. Hi, I'm Jim Shockey, and you're listening to Lone Star Outdoor Show. Well, down the road I go, forever onward I know, forever onward I'll go, forever searching. There's a little Mike McClure bringing us back on Cabela's Lone Star Outdoor Show, powered, of course, by Hoff Power Polaris. I'm Cable Smith, so glad to be here talking outdoors with you fine folks this morning. Uh, we're about to get into some whitetail discussion here. Uh, but first, this segment proudly brought to you by Sendero Seed Company, Texas' premier seed company. They've got anything and everything you need to keep your whitetail herd happy and healthy. So check them out at SenderoSeed.com or call Rob Hughes at one 610 seed today. Sendero Seed Company for all your planting needs. Well, moving right along here. Uh, let's go ahead and welcome our next guest. He's a major part of a new outdoor team out of the Midwest. He lives and breathes whitetails. And so it's my pleasure to welcome Team Rip Outdoors pro staffer Mike Sanderson to the show. Thanks for having me. Well, it is certainly my pleasure. Uh, Mike, let's jump right into it. Uh, first of all, how has your whitetail season been, man? My whitetail season has been excellent, personally. So you've got some venison in the freezer, I guess. Yeah, I shot an, about a 130-inch 10-point. Um, with my bow in, in November back in Ohio, and I, sh I shot my first uh, Texas deer. Nice uh, management eight-point management buck. Awesome. And so what part of Texas were you hunting? I was at uh, Raptor D. Whitetails in Cisco, Texas. Very nice. Well, hope you enjoyed your time down here. Actually, I'm sure you did enjoy your time down here. Uh, and that's, that's really a great area of Texas. Um, now, before we talk whitetails, though, I do want to mention, like we said earlier, you're part of a new team of hunters, mostly from Ohio, uh, and y'all have really taken social media by storm. So why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about Team Rip Outdoors. It started back in uh, 2010 with a couple friends that just had an idea of starting an outdoor team, and uh, it they were, on, or they were in college, mm -hmm. and um, it was just always a, a dream to them. Well... Uh, in the fall of 2012, we uh, we bought a couple of nice cameras and we just went with it and 
and early this spring in 2013, it, it became official. We just, it's all been real close friends and family members ever set from the beginning. So y'all's approach really hasn't changed. I mean, this is what you and your buddies were doing prior to Team Rip Outdoors. Uh, now there's just a camera involved. Uh, how many pro staff members are there? Right. There's 10 pro staff members. Nine of us are out of Ohio and one in Texas. Right. David Frisbee, our mutual friend, uh, actually the person that, that got us hooked up together, uh, is the lone Texas representative on your pro staff. Now, you guys obviously are, are whitetail fanatics. You also chase Canada geese, love to turkey hunt and walleye fish in the springtime. Uh, but we're talking whitetails today. And y'all hunt a little different in Ohio than we do in Texas. And and uh, I'd say the number one thing is, is that y'all don't even have a rifle season. And, and you have a, a very short and limited firearm season. So most of y'all's hunting, obviously, is done with a stick and string. Yes, that is correct. We got a, a seven-day shotgun muzzleloader season. Then we have a four-day muzzleloader strictly and that usually happens after the beginning of the new year, like the first weekend in January. Well, we have plenty of bow hunters in Texas, some diehard bow hunters who don't gun hunt at all. Uh, but, you know, it's no secret that once November rolls around, uh, pretty much everybody is in the woods, uh, any deer hunter. And, uh, and we do have a, a very lengthy 65-day rifle season. So you've whitetail hunted in both Texas and the Midwest and and make no mistake about it, the Midwest is a destination uh, for a lot of Texas deer hunters. I mean, there are plenty of folks who go up there and enjoy uh, what you guys have to offer. But in your experiences, uh, what have been the major differences between hunting Texas and hunting Ohio? Well, from from what I've seen when, I'm be, when I was in Texas, is uh, I see a lot, it's a lot of elevated box blinds. 90% of the hunting I do it would be out of a tree stand, mm-hmm. you know. With Texas, it's hard to believe when you, or it's crazy when you're looking out of that box blind, but it's so thick. You know, you gotta, you're hunting senderos, roads, just looking for a grass area, and you're catching them deer coming out of their bed, going to a water source to, um, to a feeder, primarily. And back home, we're doing, uh, we're hunting a lot of pinch points because you, you know, the mature deer. They're going to want to stay in that woods and stay in cover as long as they possibly can before they go out to the agriculture fields. Right, right. And so it sounds like that's really the main difference. I mean, obviously, um, even up in Ohio, y'all still have lots of agriculture. Uh, and so, um, much like our bow hunters here, though, you know, if you're sitting in a tree stand, you're still trying to hunt those those funnels and, and pinch points. Uh, but a lot of times, you're just directing the deer to a feeder here in Texas. But uh, moving on to our next discussion point, uh, hunters overlook the importance of scouting all the time. I mean, that's a known fact. But there are plenty of guys out there who are dedicated scouters, but their approach is flawed. And, you know, many times deer get bumped out of the woods as a result. So with the season starting to wind down, take us through your approach to scouting and and looking for those big boys to try to get on for next year. A week after... Our season ends. I'm back in the woods looking for sign, looking for different bedding areas, areas that you don't want to step in when when you're hunting. Right. You know, um, you you don't want to take that chance or the opportunity if you see a lot of deer movement on one side to, of your woods to, you don't want to be walking through there, and that could be their bedding area. 
You know, as soon as the season's done, I'm out looking for sheds, looking for heavy, very heavy use trails. Um, even just new trails that might pop up. Uh huh. And on the flip side of that, and this is where I think a lot of hunters have a tendency to screw up or or maybe overlook uh, exactly what it is they're doing. And this doesn't apply, mind you, uh, on draw hunts or, or situations where you have a limited amount of time to scout. Uh, but I think people stay in the woods too close to opening day, which uh, is, is really going to have a negative effect on, on your hunting. So uh, when do you get out of the woods? I, I like to do it at least a month, a month and a half in advance. And another thing is uh, I'm always spraying down in scent killer. When I, when I get in there, that's when I just rely on the trail cameras. I, I pull them every two weeks instead of maybe every week. It's just, it, That gives the deer a chance to calm down. You know, if if I made it to the woods and I didn't spray down too good one day, you know, they'll hopefully they'll forget that I've been in there. Well, Mike, obviously uh, trail cameras are a huge part of scouting, uh, possibly the most important tool available to whitetail hunters. So do you prefer to leave your cameras out year-round, or is there a specific time where you go in and, and set your cameras up to try to get an inventory of, you know, what bucks you have on your property? I love using my trail cams all year round. I know at the end of our season, which is the first weekend in February, the shed season usually starts. It just depends how hard the the bucks have been rutting as when they'll lose their their antlers. Well, I'm, you might get lucky and catch that one buck that's been holding on to them, and that, that would be your deer for next year. But, I mean, I like to run all through. I like seeing pictures of the fawns and seeing how the, the deer activity and movement's been. Mm-hmm. You know, but I mean, if I was to pick, it would, it would be, I'd actually put the cameras back up about uh, a month and a half to a month before season starts just for, uh, like an inventory purpose, you know, try to, try to get some deer on camera and have something to look forward to. No doubt. No doubt. Uh, Mike, as far as scent control goes, how much stock do you put into things like, uh, washing your clothes with scent-free detergent, showering with scent-free soap, and uh, and then taking other precautions like spraying down with some type of scent killer uh, prior to going into the woods. Because honestly, for me, and, and just going back to an interview we did last week on whitetail scent glands and, and understanding them, uh, I think even if you take all those precautions, uh, if you're upwind of a mature buck, he's going to bust you anyway. Uh, so yeah, it doesn't hurt to do all that stuff, but I think if you play the wind, first and foremost, uh, all that other stuff is, is really just gravy. Uh, I use uh, scentless deodorant. I I go to the extreme. I'll spray my hats, and if i got to get in my hunting clothes or something, if I left my wallet in there, I'll wash my hands. I'll shower before I put them on. The, with today's technology and everybody wanting to be scent-free, we got some wipes. I mean, I, I use wipes. When I get in the stand, I got a little plastic bag. I'll keep them in. I'll wipe down the, my hands and the back of my neck if the walk-in was a little too warm. Okay. And, and yeah, I, I don't go to that extreme of, of washing my hands and stuff uh, if I need to get into my hunting jacket. I do shower with scent-free soap and, and shampoo. Uh, I do wash my clothes with scent-free detergent. And really, I don't know how effective that stuff is. But it's like, you know, if it's out there and it might help, then, yeah, I'm going to use it. 
but I think picking your stand is is really the most important thing uh, because you know if you let that big buck get downwind of you, well, your hunt's screwed anyway. Yeah, I mean it's it's hands down. You know, it's a, you're in his turf. They always say they got that. They're just their senses are so keen that just a little bit will stop him in his tracks. He'll look right at you and he's gone. We've both uh, seen that happen probably one too many times. Yes, yes. Well, Mike, it has been a real treat talking whitetails with you. I'm going to have to come up there and and chase some of those Midwestern big-bodied, thick-racked bucks uh, at some point. And uh, actually, though, uh, y'all do it all. You chase ducks, Canada geese, uh, spring turkey, and also spring walleye. Uh, And and I'm looking forward to heading up there this spring and doing some fishing with you guys because uh, I think uh, walleye might just give crappie a run for their money as far as best-tasting freshwater fish. Yeah, we're really looking forward to you coming up here. The springtime out on the lake or in the river is a, is a real exciting time to, to chase some to chase some walleye. I mean, you could be out there jigging in three foot of water anywhere down to, to 10 feet of water. You, it's one of the best times of the year because you also have spring turkey season right around the corner too. Oh, yeah, and I'm going to try to get my first eastern bird on that trip if we can work it in as well. So I'm uh, really excited about it, man. Yeah, there's nothing better than a an eastern a hundred yards away, just gobbling his head off in the roost, and you're just waiting for him to hit the ground. <laughs> awesome. Mike, real quick, uh, I do want to let you direct folks to the Team Rip Outdoors website. Lots of great info and, and some pretty sweet videos on there. Yeah, it's at teamripoutdoors.com, but we'd like you to check out Facebook and Instagram while you're at it, too. Oh, man, you all have a ton of followers on Instagram, and, and you should because the pro staff, is posting great hunting and fishing pictures uh, on a daily basis. Uh, what about those videos, though? We have a waterfowl madness, and we're looking forward to putting up a deer hunting one here very shortly. Cool, cool. And then hopefully uh, somewhere on down the line, uh, you guys will have your own TV show. I know that's the uh, the ultimate goal. Mike, it's been a real pleasure visiting with you, man, and I look forward to meeting you this spring. That is the plan, to share our experience of the outdoors with everybody. Well, we're thrilled to be a part of it, and and folks can expect to hear a couple of the other Team Rip Outdoors pro staffers on our show. Uh, We're going to do an interview on Canada goose hunting specifically, and then uh, another one on walleye fishing. So y'all stay tuned for that. Thanks again, Mike, and uh, good luck the rest of this season. You too. Thanks. All right, there he goes, Mike Sanderson of Team Rip Outdoors. Let's knock out a quick break. When we come back, We'll change it up, talk a little bass fishing with the 2013 Bassmaster Elite Series Angler of the Year, Aaron Martins. You're listening to Cabela's Lone Star Outdoor Show. I'm Craig Boddington. I'd like to invite you to become a member of Dallas Safari Club, one of the world's leading hunting and conservation organizations. As a member, you'll receive Game Trails Magazine, a monthly newsletter, and invitations to our monthly meetings and special activities. Join Dallas Safari Club, an international organization based in Dallas, supporting hunting and conservation worldwide. For more information, call 800-9-GO-HUNT or visit our website at www.biggame.org. 
BioBore EB is the premier gasoline additive that combats the negative effects ethanol has on an engine. Its comprehensive formula is designed to protect marine engines and marine environments, yet also works great in all two- and four-stroke engines. It prevents phase separation and ethanol-related engine problems while stabilizing fuel for 18 months. BioBore's detergents also clean the entire fuel system of carbon and varnishes. BioBore EB has the best treat rate in the industry. One ounce treats an amazing 15 gallons of gas. Available at your local sporting goods store or visit BioBore.com today. Cinnamon Creek Ranch is not your typical archery club. It's a one-of-a-kind archery facility with indoor and outdoor ranges, a full pro shop, and six different 3D courses. Cinnamon Creek was designed by hunters for hunters. Located on 80 acres in Roanoke, Texas, and offering over 200 3D targets to shoot at, this one-of-a-kind event facility was designed with a bow hunter in mind. Call 817-439-8998 or visit us at cinnamoncreekranch.com. That's cinnamoncreekranch.com. Howdy folks, I'm Lee Hoffbauer for Hoffbauer's Outdoor Superstore in Gulfway, Texas. We hope you love listening to the Lone Star Outdoor Show, because we do, and we're proud to be a title sponsor. Now listen up, we here at Hoffbauer Outdoor Superstore have got some great deals for you folks that love the great outdoors. Whether you're needing a brand new Polaris ATV, or maybe a Polaris Ranger to ride around check your deer feeders, get to and from the deer blind, maybe to get you down to the dove patch, whatever your needs are, we can fix you up with a brand new Polaris today. Now we're also a New Holland tractor and equipment dealer. Now I'm just speculating, but maybe you need a new tractor and shredder to shred around your deer blinds, maybe clean up around deer camp, or maybe even shred a few lanes in those sunflower pack. Now, we've got lots more than just Polaris and New Holland, so come check us out today. Hoffbauer's Outdoor Superstore in Gulfway, Texas. You can check us out on the web at hpolaris.com. Better yet, just come see us. Highway 84 West in Gulfway, Texas, and in Central Texas for over 48 years now. And folks, we couldn't have stuck around this long. We were steering you wrong. Hi folks, Roland Martin here, and you're listening to the Lone Star Outdoor Show. Baby drove a car like a highway junkie, stopping just for coffee and cigarettes. Long and winding wide, line gold, burning up her wheels with no time to rest. Cable Smith here with you on a Lone Star weekend. Highway Tears is the name of that one from Morbo and the Long Shots, bringing us back on Cabela's Lone Star Outdoor Show, powered by Hoff Power Polaris. Thank you so much for sharing a part of your weekend with me as we're about to talk some winter bassing with the man who currently is perched at the top of pro bass fishing. But first, this segment is proudly brought to you by Real Bark Hunting Blinds, the official blind of the show. Real Bark is Texas-made and Texas-owned and offers the finest in comfort and durability in a hunting blind. Be sure to check out their website at realbark.com to see their full line of extreme blinds today. What do y'all say we go ahead and uh, welcome our next guest to the show? Uh, He's a two-time Bassmaster Lead Series Angler of the Year, the reigning Angler of the Year. So it's a real treat to have Aaron Martins join the show. It's good to be here. We certainly appreciate it. Uh, Aaron, first of all, Congratulations on a heck of a season, man, that saw you claim your second Bassmaster Angler of the Year title. Yeah, thank you. That was, uh, I liked the first one. I got quite a surprise, but that's just how it works. I started off in a real bad position and and had my back against the wall, I guess, starting off the first tournament. And I guess I do, I, I seem to do good under pressure. So it was a very welcome surprise at the end of the season that I, that I got that. Well, it's quite an accomplishment. I mean, that puts you up there uh, on the short list of, of anglers who've done that twice. Uh, names like Bill Dance, Roland Martin, Jimmy Houston, and Kevin Van Dam. Uh, 
Uh, so <laughs> pretty good company. Uh, now, what have you been doing this off season? Uh, you told me off the air that you really do enjoy hunting. So uh, have you had a chance to get into the woods this fall? No, I actually took my uh, 10-year-old daughter, Jordan, out um, to a friend of mine that, <clears throat> that I fish with occasionally down uh, like South Georgia. And he has got about 1,100 acres down there. And it's all managed and a lot of deer and, and perfect situation for a beginner hunter. And she's never shot a rifle before. So we actually got down there to his little range and, and she just started off at 223 and went up to 243. And she shot a AR, she shot a handgun, a nine millimeter. <laughs> she's never shot anything before. So it was, it was, that was probably the best part of it was watching her shoot all different guns and, and see how well she did it. But she, uh, yeah, she shot a, a, a doe the first day and I'm, she got a real nice six point. Actually, a deer they didn't want to get rid of. It was a big, like a three and a half year old deer. Really good for her uh-huh. first deer, uh, first buck. And uh, it was just really fun to sitting there watching her. I mean, I'd, watching one of my kids do that. Very cool. And how, how excited she got. Well, that's what it's all about, man. And and you should be proud of her. Uh, Aaron, let's get back to your your angler of the year title. How was this one different than when you won it back in two thousand five? What eight or nine years older? <laughs> <laughs> It's it's a little similar. I mean, I mean, the, I I won it uh, in '05. I won it the last tournament, um, the last day, uh, Saturday or Sunday. I think is one. I think Sunday is the last day is when I won it because I was it was so close. This one, uh, you know, it's real similar. And you know, I kind of, I pretty much thought, you know, I just try to win as many tournaments as I could this year. I got, you know, I did really good. I got two seconds. I should have won St. Clair, but I had. A catastrophic failure, which left me stranded 36 miles from the ramp with an hour left, and I couldn't get in. It was pretty heartbreaking having a fish to win the tournament, and uh, that's never happened to me. I, I don't think I've ever not made it in for a win, so it's kind of ironic to win England a year on my birthday. <laughs> then the next day, have one of the worst uh, uh, career days of my career. You know, having a fish to win and not making it. I was. It all it all has a reason, I guess. You know, that's how you gotta look at. It. Otherwise, it'll just drive you crazy. But Besides that, that's really how I approached this year after the first event. I was kind of really upset about it because I actually pre-practiced the Bean River. I actually found where Todd won the tournament in December before cutoff. I went there and spent like a week there, and I found that was the best spot I found. And to not make it there um, the first or second day, and I had some issues that tournament too. I don't talk about it very much, but there's a reason why I didn't go there, and, and it just is this why why is, does it happen that way? And so I turned that kind of frustration into, I guess, the momentum. You know, even I was in the 85th place, I, I made you pretty good at turning the, you know, trying to turn the positive. And this is actually one of the first years I've been without my family. We've all, we've camped um, from the first year, first years I fished uh, the elite or the 150s back then <clears throat> in FLWs. I've always camped, and uh, had, and I started off actually camp, uh, tent camping. And went to uh, 39 foot like diesel motorhomes. We had a kid coming, so we wanted to be in style and off of comfort. You can't have a kid in a tent. <laughs> so uh, we started just camping a lot, and this is the first year that they actually, first year and a half, they've been they actually come in school, a really good private school, Christian school. And I told my family, if I'm gonna be away from you guys, I'm gonna just be like I used to be, a fishing freak kind of crazy because I, you know, I have no distractions and if I'm going to be away from my family I might as well put 110% or more into my fishing is which what I did and I think once things kind of settled and I kind of got in the groove it was uh, phenomenal how each tournament came along that you know sometimes the first day didn't go so well in practice but by the second day usually I was 
I was really figuring stuff out and and usually by the third day of practice I was I was dialed in every tournament and uh it's just and then and everything went really well the rest of the year and it just was like a phenomenal season really except for that first one well it certainly was an amazing season and uh I can't believe that you actually used to camp in tents when you first started fishing professionally I mean that's incredible talk about getting a rough night's sleep after a long day on the water but I guess you were probably tired enough uh, to where it really didn't matter. Uh, and then, of course, upgraded to the RV when the, the kiddos came along. And I know it was tough to be on the road without them this year. Uh, but going back to your first Angler of the Year title in 05, would you say that the competition level in pro bass fishing has gotten significantly tougher since then? I'd definitely say it's definitely harder at the competition's better the technology is a lot better you know compared to back then to now this technology alone is huge uh you know there's so many things you can do on a computer now that i'm pretty much i can use computer but i'd say i'm computer illiterate compared to a lot of people i don't i use google earth and i do maps and stuff but then nowadays you know people pretty much can find out everything about a lake just by you know, reading about it or going on the maps or there's so many, there's just so much to it now. It's, it's definitely a higher, there's definitely a higher standard now. It's definitely not as easy. I wouldn't say easy. It wasn't easy back then, but you definitely have to push yourself harder now. Uh huh. I mean, that's one of the reasons I started, you know, I started running like almost three years ago. It's just, you know, I was getting older and, and fishing at this level is physically very demanding. And, uh, that's one of the reasons I stay healthy and run a lot. It's just, it's it's definitely hard. You got a lot of new upcomers now, and you got just about every one of them is a phenomenal angler. Yeah, and one of your peers, uh, Kelly Jordan, he's a good friend of the show. He's talked about uh, the fact that they have nutrition specialists just for you guys. I mean, uh, obviously your back, arms, all that stuff gets put through the ringer uh, when you spend a long day out on the water. Eat to compete. Yeah, eat to compete is uh, Ken Hoover. He's from Texas too. He's helped me out a little bit and. He's actually shown me some good exercises for fishing, and I know over the years I've gone to special, you know, therapists and specialists that for like the little tennis elbows, you know, some of the anglers get and stuff, and and I actually have zero pain. I actually feel like I'm 20, so it's it's really working for me, and I try to spread the word on it. I mean, I, I know it's hard on a lot of guys that aren't, you know, in that kind of shape. And I know it must be because it's hard on me, and I'm, you know, I stretch every day and I run almost every day too, and do uh do core exercise do a lot of stuff to to compete and be comfortable but right it's hard on me i know it's hard on a lot of the guys uh -huh. a lot of guys don't do that well aaron moving along here uh you know you do have the two angler of the year titles the highlights of your career but you've also come in second place amazingly four times now at the Bassmaster classic how important is it for you personally to win the Bassmaster classic title Four seconds. Two behind Van Dam, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I make it. Uh, I don't think about that. I mean, I, it comes up here and there. But, you know, every classic, it's one of the few tournaments I actually pre-practice. So, I mean, that's why I've done so well on them. So I actually spend usually like four to five, six, seven days at that lake and pre-fish it, which I don't do that on any other tour event. So that's probably why I do so well on it. So I actually learn the lake pretty good. Mm -hmm. So, like, this. Gunnersville, I'm saying I get seven or eight days total. But I haven't been to Gunnersville, you know, but once this year before that. You'd be, you'd be amazed how different that lake fish is in February than it does the times I've been there. I just don't have any experience there in spring at all, early spring or late winter. I just don't. I've never been there that time of year. 
So it's it's that's a tricky thing. That's like Grand Lake. I've never been to that lake that time of year either. So you really have to use your knowledge and experience and kind of go out there and look for things that may be barren now, but maybe you know really good in a few months from now. It's, that's the hardest part about it is trying to find those spots. Uh-huh. And I also try always try to find different stuff too. So off the wall stuff that maybe nobody else knows about. And that's kind of that's hard to do. And there's no fish on it right now. And some of that stuff may have fish, but not like it's going to have in February. So it's it's tricky, and I definitely want to win it. I mean, I'd, I'd love to have a classic. You know, it's in two angler years. I need a, I need a classic now. And <laughs> that's that's what I really need. And getting second four times makes it, you know, that much more desirable. So of course, yeah, I, I definitely want it. Well, I'm sure that would be the feather in the cap of what's uh, already been a stellar career. We do need to work in a quick commercial break, but y'all don't go anywhere because when we come back, we'll pick Aaron's brain on his favorite wintertime bass techniques and baits. It's more with the great Aaron Martins coming up only on Cabela's Lone Star Outdoor Show. On the road again. Just can't wait to get on the road again. The life I love is making music with my friends. And I can't wait to get on the road again. I use my pickup a lot for work and play, so I needed something that would protect my truck bed through the world of abuse I put it through. A buddy of mine suggested Toff Sprayed On Bed Liners. He swore by them, said they were better than the other guys, and they'd make my truck look good. Toff, huh? He said, yep, spelled T-O-F-F. So I went to the website, toffliners.com. They can spray any truck, and they've got four locations in DFW. I'm glad my buddy turned me on to Toff. It's strong, it's durable, it's Toff. Ask for Toff Sprayed On Bed Liners. You wouldn't take a mule to the Kentucky Derby, and you wouldn't go swimming with your boots on. So why do folks wear mossy green camo to hunt the great Southwest? Game Guard Camouflage is celebrating 10 years of putting hunters undercover in the rugged Texas terrain. Owner Craig Smith invites you to visit a dealer near you to check out the full line of hunting apparel, caps, bags, coolers, gun cases, dove hunting belts, and the newly designed microfiber shirts. Available in 13 different colors. So whether you're hunting, camping, fishing, or just enjoying the great outdoors, GameGuard has you covered. Visit GameGuard.net to find a dealer near you or call 888-381-4263. GameGuard, the official camo of the Lone Star Outdoors show. We all need a friend in the gun business, and that's why you should check out B&S Guns. Family owned and operated since 1987, we offer a lifetime warranty on all firearm purchases. At BNS, we have a gunsmith on staff at all times, and our 5,000 square foot building contains all your hunting and firearm needs. Open seven days a week, we specialize in Nikon, Leopold, Browning, Remington, Swarovski, Benelli, Zeiss, and many more. Conveniently located in Garland, call 972-226-1816 or visit bsgunstore.com. That's bsgunstore.com. Old stogies I have found Short, but not too big around I'm a man of means By no means King of the road I know every engineer on every train All of their children And all of their King of the road, some classic Randy Travis bringing us back on Cabela's Lone Star Outdoor Show Powered by Hoff Power Polaris I'm your host, Cable Smith, and we are talking some winter bass fishing with reigning Bassmaster Angler of the Year, Aaron Martins. Uh, but before we pick it back up with Aaron, this segment probably brought to you by Lone Star Beer, the national beer of Texas, who once again has partnered with Game Guard Camouflage this hunting season to bring you the Lone Star Beer Camo Can. Grab a 12-pack on your way to the lease. 
celebrate knocking down that big 12-point with an ice-cold Lone Star Light. And don't forget to register for the Lone Star Beer Hunting Sweepstakes. They've got an awesome Honda ATV wrapped in Game Guard camouflage. Just go to the uh, Lone Star Beer Facebook page. It's free to register to win. Be sure to check that out. Lone Star Beer, the national beer of Texas. Let's go ahead and pick it back up now with uh, Aaron Martins. Uh, talk some winter bass fishing here. Aaron, obviously, uh, you live in Alabama, and uh, you guys were also hit by this recent Arctic blast uh, that we experienced in Texas. Yes, sir. And temperatures have dropped, you know, down into the low 50s, maybe even into the high 40s on many southern lakes. So whether you're fishing in Texas or Alabama, where would you start as far as trying to find a steady bite right now? Uh, it depends where you're at, you know, like like Pennsylvania, for instance, got a ton of current. They've had a lot of, lot of rain and not very warm rain, so it's dropped the temperature quite a bit since I went there last week to this week. Uh, and, you know, heavy current like that this time of year, cold. Um, you really want to focus on areas that have, you know, the most bait, and sometimes there's too much bait and fish can be gorged and only feed certain times of the day, and they're really hard to catch otherwise, um, you know, unless you throw umbrella rigs all day. And, uh, but there's also other ways to catch them. You can go after the more isolated fish, kind of scattered fish, you know, scattered schools. Like if you're in a grass lake, um, you know, you want to get out of that current. You don't want to be in that main current. That main current grass kind of gets hard to catch them. So if you get into the more sheltered areas, usually you can find some fish right now. And, you know, secondary points uh, back in those big creeks are pretty much not all. I don't know, you know, most of the time they're not all the way back in the creeks, but you can find them like probably halfway back right now in a lot of these lakes. Mm-hmm. I mean, one of the best ways I catch them this time of year is on a, like a Megabass 110 or 110 Magnum jerkbait. Uh, liftless baits are pretty good at times. Spinnerbait can, can be really good, yeah, especially if you get a little wind. And also like swim baits, like a you know, five or six inch swim baits. It really depends where you're at, though. It's usually what I have on my deck of my boat this time of year. And uh, it can be a challenge to uh, find them, but it's also it can be really rewarding right now. I, I don't think you get the amount of bites unless you find them stacked right now, which you can. Uh, but I don't think this time of year you catch as many numbers. As you, you know, it's not like a numbers uh, time of year. It's more like a, you can get on some really good solid fish and maybe get you know half as many bites as you would two months ago. Mm-hmm. That's why I like winter. That's one of my favorite times of fish is actually uh, um, winter and, and a month before spawn is actually when my my personal favorite time to fish because it is like challenging. You can actually find something different where a big fish will be at, or you can kind of still, you can catch certain fish and know, okay, I need to make a move here. And uh, there's got to be some big ones in the area. And if you're catching small ones, usually you can kind of, they get isolated. They kind of go and group up in different groups and you actually find some of the larger fish uh, just by looking for them. Well, Aaron, what about uh, the, uh, uh, and you can educate us on whether it is a misconception or not. Uh, you know, I have my feeling on the issue, but you keep hearing people say, oh, it's colder water. You got to fish slower. The fish are more lethargic. And I think I know what you're going to say, but uh, what's your opinion on that school of thought? Yeah, it's not true, really. <laughs> <laughs> I always heard that when I was, you know, as a fisherman growing up, that cold water means fish go slow. But And all the baits that you just listed off, I mean, all of them, they require a, a pretty fast retrieve, so that really wouldn't even make sense. Some of, some of the fastest fishing I've ever done is in 40-degree water, and, and that was spinnerbait and, and uh, rattle trap. And that was 7-to-1 reel. I was running about as fast as I could reel comfortably, and that was, you know, I caught 30 or 40 fish um, in 40-degree water. That was in December. 
you know, you can definitely go too slow. Uh, there's also times you can definitely go too fast. You just got to find what, what, what situation or what, uh, what mood those fish are in. I mean, it's really important that you, uh, you know, change your cadence and, you know, change your speed. I always try to go as fast as I can, uh, without going too fast. That's, you know, try to fish as much water as I can, as quick as I can. But if you go a little bit too fast, sometimes it's, you're passing up way too many fish, and sometimes you might have to put a pause in it. But <clears throat> if the weather's stable and the, and the water is stable, and it's at a stable 40 or 45, whatever it is, for a week, or and the weather is really, a lot of times you can get a really good, like a burning bite, burning it real fast. Uh, you might There might be certain times of the day where you might have to slow it down, and you know, the fish could kind of, you know, they might sit high on the grass or high on the rocks or riprap and be really, really active and warmed up by the sun and ready to, you know, go 20 miles an hour to eat a bait. And then there might be other times those fish, you know, you might have to, I think what it is is really that fish kind of like, uh, they kind of sit in the sun and you get those fish that get up on top of the grass and sit for a while and they get really warmed up. Actually, their body temperature is a lot warmer in the water around them internally. And they're just a lot quicker to, re- to react. Like they're, they're actually super fast. Hmm. Uh, to the times when those fish may be coming out of deep water or out of shade and, I think about it that way, and it seems to make sense. I've done it, you know, so many, so many years fish for those type of fish, and I really think that it's good. They get they get warmed up, and if you pull a bait by them real fast, they're phenomenally quick. I think I swear they actually move faster this time of year. Hmm. Okay, and it doesn't make sense, but I, I've also had fish in, in a pond at home. And I watched them, and where I grew up in California, and I, I, I I'm almost positive they're quicker in December than they were in like March or April or uh-huh. June or July. And it seems like that time of year they're like they're real, just super fast, and I found that to be true of fishing for them. Aaron, what are your thoughts on repeated casts to a specific spot that, you know, probably is holding a big fish? Uh, you hear Bill Dance talk about it over and over again, a repeated cast, repeated cast, and I think a lot of bass fishermen, you know, don't have the patience for that. Uh, what are your thoughts? I hate to, and uh, of course you can sometimes. You, you have to you have to know the right rock to do it on and the right pile into the right spot because if you <laughs> if you do it on the right spot you're casting on nothing but oh there's spots that yeah fish especially in the spring or or certain times of year that will almost like a migratory path or fish are in the area and they they feed only in that one spot maybe it's bait's more accessible when it gets to that area they're pushing into that area like I've ran into in a lot of lakes where you'll catch you know say two and three pounders. And they, every, but every time you catch a fish off that one spot, it's a five or six pounder. I've been in those bites in many places. So there's definitely the bigger fish get, uh, you know, they're bigger than the smaller fish. They chase a lot of smaller fish, keep them at bay, and they own that little area. So that that happens, and definitely uh, I've done that many tournaments where I've thrown that one rock or one stump and then come back, let it sit for 20, 30 minutes, come back and, you know, catch another one off it. And you can sit there for another five or ten minutes, not catch one, but leave for 30 minutes, come back, catch another one. So that definitely happens. It's definitely there's Definitely truth to that. It def- definitely works. Awesome. Great stuff, uh, Aaron. And, and I certainly want to thank Megabass uh, before we let you out of here for hooking us up. They're a great sponsor of yours, and, and we certainly appreciate them. They're starting to get, show up in a lot more stores now, <clears throat> which is really good because they've been really hard to see. It's really hard to find Megabass a lot of times. I, I know because I go to a lot of fishing stores, but they're making a, a big effort to get into a lot more stores now so people can actually go out and look at some of the rods and tackle actually look at in person instead of on the internet right well hey uh, we certainly appreciate mega bass and and we appreciate your time today aaron you've been uh, more than generous thanks so much and and congrats again on uh, the angler of the year title man 
I appreciate you calling me uh, anytime. All right, there he goes, 2013 Elite Series Angler of the Year, Aaron Martins. We certainly wish him the best of luck at the uh, upcoming Classic. Hopefully he'll make it a uh, Classic Championship and, and not uh, enjoy a fifth second-place finish. I mean, that's uh, absolutely incredible. Uh, but y'all can check out some of Aaron's writings and, and other stuff on his website at AaronMartins.com. Uh, unfortunately, that is going to do it for this morning's show as we are flat out of time. Uh, thanks to Aaron as well as outdoor writer Melissa Gaskill and then, of course, Team Rip Outdoors, Mike Sanderson. Uh, we'll do it again same time, same place next week. Thanks to all of our sponsors for making this show possible. Thanks to you, the listener, for being a part of Cabela's Lone Star Outdoors show. Until next time, I'm Cable Smith saying you all have a great week in the outdoors. Texas sports fans, this is Brian Spagnola, General Manager of Texas Motorcars in Addison. My family's been in the car business for over 50 years, and I want to show you the difference in buying from a family-owned and operated business. TexasMotorcars.com is an awesome website that lets you do virtually all of your shopping online. We have a professional photographer that takes amazing photos, and we give you all the information that you'll need up front. You can even find out how much we will give you for your trade-in before you ever come in. I take pride in the fact you can come in, choose a car, and be out in less than an hour. We have financing rates starting at 1.79% on pre-owned vehicles and can help almost anybody. Please do yourself a favor. If you're in the market for a pre-owned vehicle of any kind, give us a shot. Let me show you how easy buying a vehicle should be. Visit TexasMotorCars.com or come visit our 20,000-square-foot indoor showroom in Addison. Again, visit TexasMotorCars.com or call us at 1-888-9-TX-MOTORS. Ben Lofton Fencing is Texas' premier fencing company. They apply a design-it-right, build-it-right, the first-time mindset to all projects. And with 15-plus years' experience, there's no job they won't tackle. Ben Lofton Fencing specializes in deer and exotic game fences, breeder and handling facilities, water gaps, as well as farm and ranch fences, and corrals and working pens. Better Business Bureau certified, they offer the quality and personal service you expect. So for your next fencing project, go Texan and call Mr. Lofton himself at 254-709-1320 or visit BenLoftonFencing.com. Do you have a hog problem at your ranch or deer lease? We have the solution. The System Hog Trap comes in two sizes, 17-foot and 30-foot diameter traps. After you trap the hogs, take the top section off the trap and use it for another feeder site to keep the hogs away from the feeder. The system is both a trap and a deer food plot fence. That way you don't waste your money on just a hog trap. Call 940-391-3669 or visit www.goinfencing.com. That's goinfencing.com. The new Bobcat Utility Vehicle is here at Bobcat of Dallas and Fort Worth, and it's hungry. Get ready to work like an animal and love it. Powerful, ultra-comfortable, and sure-footed, this lineup of vehicles delivers legendary Bobcat performance, so you can sink your teeth into a wide range of jobs. With twice the horsepower, 1,850 pounds of payload capacity, and four-wheel independent suspension, you will love it. Stop in at Bobcat of Dallas and Fort Worth to see for yourself. 